Well, Moody Church, good morning. It is good to see you this morning. I'm Ed Stetzer, uh, interim teaching pastor here at uh, the Moody Church, and we're talking today about he's a good Abba father. He's a good Abba father. Normally here at the Moody Church, we preach through books of the Bible. We're actually in the book of Colossians right now. Before that, we walk through uh, Matthew. Before that, uh, the book of Philippians and more. And so we're walking through these books of the Bible. That's our normal kind of approach to, uh, to preaching. But on holidays, we'll sometimes take a, a, a break from that and do something more like a, a doctrinal passage or a thematic study. And that's what I'm going to do today. Now, you don't have to do that. Some churches don't. I was the interim pastor of a church years ago that didn't take breaks from their verse-by-verse exposition, which is fine. People do it different ways. They can honor the Lord in different ways, but this church didn't. So I was, I was preaching through the uh, book of the Bible. I forget the book of the Bible that it was. It happened to be come on Mother's Day, and Mother's Day's passage was on hell. So I preached on hell on Mother's Day and uh, didn't hear the end of that for a really long time. So, so I'm kind of glad that today we're going to talk about fatherhood. But today in particular, I, I want to talk about fatherhood broadly, and we'll talk about it particularly in the last point of the message, but specifically today, I'm going to talk about that through Christ, God adopts us, and he is both our loving father and our fatherly example. Why is that? Because pretty much in a lot of churches, Mother's Day is when you gather together and everyone celebrates uh, moms. You know, moms are awesome is the theme on Mother's Day, and on Father's Day, it's dads get with it. And so it seems that Sometimes that becomes an ongoing theme in the life of a church. So instead of uh, in any way putting fathers down, we're actually going to look up to our heavenly father today. So if you are a father, knowing our heavenly father is the most important thing you need in your life. Just that will make you a better father. Uh, But to be honest, the reality is fatherhood is not that difficult to achieve. Uh, There are people who have fathered children all around the world. It's not that difficult of a thing to have achieved. People are fathers all over. But fathering and fathering rightly is another thing altogether. But there is something so important that I don't want you to miss that God identifies himself not as a parent, not as some disembodied deity, not as some cosmic clockmaker, but God calls himself through the inspired word of God, Father. Now, this really should catch our attention because it's a strange thing that God would identify himself as Father unless we understand why. You see, God himself has a name. He has names, actually. We called him Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. It says his name is Yahweh in the Old Testament, yet we hardly ever refer to him as Yahweh in our gathered worship services, though that is indeed his name, and it would be appropriate for us to use that name. There's nothing wrong with that. That's God's name. Generally, we call him God because there is only one. We speak to him as God, but as Christians, we have a beautiful reality that we too can call him Father. And through Christ, God adopts us, and he is both our loving Father and our fatherly example. So I too have names. I am, my name is, most people call me Ed. Some people call me Edward, particularly my parents when they're not happy with me. Uh, My middle name is 
John, so for a season I went by EJ. I had a, a friend of my father who called me Edward, and I kept that for a while. Some people call me Pastor Ed. Some people call me Dr. Stetzer. I have all kinds of names, but only three people in the whole world get to call me Father. And those three are my daughters, Caitlin, Jacqueline, and Kristen. They, last night I came home from Toronto. As I walked into the house, I heard Daddy's home. Only three people in the world call me Daddy. Now, they, I, they know I have other names, right? Uh, one of my daughters, upon discovering that I have an actual name beyond Father or Daddy, she called out, Oh, Edward, where are you? And I replied, oh, daughter, you're grounded. <laughs> Not really, but, but see, God as Father expresses because of who he is and who he is to us. God is not a physical human being, but he has identified himself intentionally to us as Father, and that really changes everything. So we're going to look at three things today, and as we go through those three things, we'll, we'll take a look at what it means to ultimately have God as our Father, and yes, how that particularly relates to fatherhood. Again, let me remind you, first, number one in our outline, your heavenly Father is a good Father. Your heavenly Father is a good Father, because even as I say this, some of you had a bad Father. So even the word Father can be disturbing or disruptive to your soul to the peace of your life. Yet God identifies, knowing that there would be a lot of bad fathers in the world, God still says, well, he's father. Your heavenly father is a good father. And we're going to see this, that through Christ, God adopts us, and he is both our loving father and our fatherly example. But I don't want you to, there's a, there's a point here. The writers of scripture, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, don't want you to miss that God is father. So I could go and give you a hundred examples, but let me quickly go through a few. First, God is Abba Father. God is Abba Father. Sometimes people explain that Abba is like a word that a baby would utter, like Mama, Dada, uh, Abba. And it, it's, actually, it's actually not, it's, it's a, but it's a very much of a term of affection, like dearest Father. God is a dearest beloved Father. Look at Galatians 4, 6, and you can't miss this, right? And because you are sons, I'm going to explain sons and daughters in just a moment. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's a beautiful thing, my dearest or my beloved father, right? Now, the sons part matters too. I, I've explained this before, and I'm going to do a little bit more on this later. But uh, we're all adopted as sons though we are sons and daughters, because that adoption of sons in the days when these words were written meant that we are inheritors of the fullness. We are blessed in the fullness of being a beloved son. But I'll come back to more of that in just a bit. But on, but, but on Father's Day, some of you are thinking, and I understand, I have nothing to celebrate. My father is a bum. My father is no good. My father did things that were wrong to me or to others. And I and I understand that. And I, I feel I've walked that in my own life. I, I just came back uh, last week. I was in New York. And because I was there speaking at an event, I, I drove by where I grew up. And it's interesting to, to the memories that flood back in when I looked at that, that, that little home I grew up in. But here's the reality, right? One of the things was that if you had a struggling relationship with your father, 
right? It still means you can have a good relationship with your, your heavenly father. Now, it's interesting to me. Again, I've shared with you enough transparently. You know, I grew up in a father who would explain later on that he was a drunk in my childhood, and he was often absent and distant and <laughs> difficult and more, and that's not what he's like now. I talked to him on the way to church today and wished him happy Father's Day, and we laughed together because I deeply love him, and we have a wonderful relationship. But I got to tell you, I didn't have that when I was younger, and God being a father was not a good picture in my mind, I can assure you. But I have a good heavenly father now, and I had one then, and he makes me even a better father, though not perfect. You see, you say, I don't have a father. Some, some might say, I don't have a father in my life at all. Well, don't miss this. I have good news for you, right? Second thing, God is a father to the fatherless. Uh, God is Abba Father. God is the father of the fatherless. So maybe that's you. Maybe your father has died or is distant or is out of your life, but the Bible goes to great, point, great lengths. Bible writers go to great lengths to tell you not only God is your father, but even when you're fatherless, he is your father. It says in Psalm 68, verse 5, father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Some of you were blessed with a father that loved you and, and uh, and, and cared for you, and in seeing that, you were blessed by that. As a matter of fact, it probably helped you to understand the fatherhood of God better. Now, now the reality is, is, is when we look at our heavenly Father, we look at Him. For Him, He is, for many of us, that, that stability of fatherhood in our lives. My, my parents got divorced when I was a teenager, and my mother got remarried, and I didn't get along with her, her husband. And so I had these years, but in those years is when I became a believer. And it's only in the midst of that, that leaning on my heavenly father, knowing who he was, that he was there. I felt fatherless, but I leaned on my heavenly father. Not just that, right? God is a consistent father. God is Abba Father. God is the father of the fatherless. God is a consistent father. Now, don't, don't miss this, right? God doesn't have mood swings. You know, when uh, th this past week I was with uh, uh, Pastor Lutzer and Rebecca, Rebecca and he was uh, talking about, uh, I had a group of my students and I, I asked him to share a little bit. And he said, <laughs> he said, you were from, you know, I was served at Moody Church. And what he said is, is, uh, is he, he, I love how he explained it. He said, Moody is our name, not our attitude. I like that. <laughs> kind of simple, right? See, God is not moody. I mean, God's at moody, but God's not, God's not moody. He's a consistent father. Right, we see this. Look at James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I know, and you can know with certainty, that God will remain my loving caring father forever. Not just for my lifetime, though that might be my frame of reference, but for everybody's lifetime always. Now, it's interesting that how much that appeals to so many of us. You know, dads today on television seems like they're either uh, lazy or disrespectful, and there's not a lot of good father figures on television. I get that past father figures maybe were uh, unrealistic, though the title of the show, Father Knows Best, means a lot to me today. I wish my kids, we could watch that every day. Um, but the reality is, is that 
as a consistent father. I think it's interesting. One of the shows has become kind of a breakthrough television experience is a show called uh, This Is Us. Um, some of you are nodding your heads. You've watched it. And, 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 and it's this character of the father. And I'd be perfectly honest, I haven't watched a lot of it. Donna, Donna's watched it, and she's tried to pull me in to, a few times to watch it. But it's actually the father figure. You can actually see news stories about the father figure in the midst of that. You see, God identifies as father, but God is a consistent father, which is so essential when it's lacking in our lives. But that's not all, right? Just think about how many times. I could add a hundred more verses just to this introductory sec section. God is the good father who loves us. He's Abba Father, the father of the fatherless, a consistent father. He is the good father who loves us. It tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know him. They don't miss that, right? It says, and so we are, right? It says, and so we are. Can you say those four words with me? Let's do it. And so we are. I don't feel that you we're enthusiastically embracing that for just a second. So I'm going to read the passage and we get to, and so we are. Would you join me? See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Thank God for the reality that we are indeed called children of God. Now, it's interesting. We watched that video at the beginning of the service right at the beginning of the service. Um, so not all of you saw it, probably about 50% of you based upon our attendance patterns. See what I did there? I was exhorting you to come earlier. See what I did there? And it's a series of videos uh, with a dad speaking to his sons or daughters and consistently saying, you got this, you got this, that, that confidence that comes from knowing that you have a loving father. You know, I thought about that driving back by my old house this last week, and it was so much uh, smaller than I remembered it, the yard so much smaller. I lived in a place called Levittown. The little homes were about 1,200 square feet. Uh, it was a well-known first World War II suburb. It's kind of a difficult neighborhood when I lived there. I was going through some hard times. It has a history. Um, and so, but I went there, and it was interesting. I was kind of seated out front in the car. I was driving back to the airport and meeting Kristen at the airport. She had been with me for several of those days, and I went out to speak and came back. And I sat there, and it's interesting the emotions that sort of flood into you if you had a good childhood or a bad childhood. But a couple of things I noticed were the trees. The tree in the front was gone. There was an apple tree that was there. I remember it distinctly because my mother used to tie me to it so that I wouldn't run away when I played too much. That's not legal, and it's maybe legal back then, but don't do it today. Um, but then I looked into the backyard, and at this point I had to be really careful because all I was was some random person sitting in a car trying to look into the backyard of a home that I haven't lived in in decades. So I didn't want an encounter with the police, and so I kind of looked back there, but I noticed the tree that was kind of a substantial moment in my childhood. Not that I climbed it, I climbed it all the time, but I remember on one day I climbed it and I could see in the back where the trees got close to the power lines. And I remember as a child, maybe seven, I climbed up that tree, 
I got stuck in that tree. My foot was wedged between kind of a place where the branches diverged, and I, got af- I was afraid, and I started yelling for my father. And my father, imperfect though he was, he was there. He had actually uh, broken his foot, and so he was in a cast. And I remember I'm stuck in this tree. The wind's beginning to blow, and I'm getting close to the electrical lines. And my father hears me, comes out, drops his crutch, and I've never seen somebody climb a tree as fast as my father did in his cast. And he was up there, and yet he couldn't get all the way. I was on some smaller branches because I was a lot smaller than he was. So he got nearby, and he said to me, it's okay, it's okay, just jump. And he held out his arms. Now, my foot was stuck, and so jumping would have meant leaving my foot behind at this point. (laughs) So that didn't seem like a good thing. So I yelled or cried or screamed, my foot's stuck. And so my father then pushed up my foot, put out his arms, and I don't know that I remember it with absolute clarity, but I remember falling 80 feet, (laughs) give or take, into the arms of my father, who then, with strength I did not know he had, held me in one hand and in a cast climbed down a tree. And I didn't realize how powerful of an image that was until I was sitting there last week looking at that tree where my father rescued me. And it's interesting that having then become a father myself, I I remember how how, uh, my own daughters, we built this little little swing set in the backyard where we lived, and and on the top of the swing set was a little area where you'd sit and there was a slide, and and there was an area where you'd kind of climb up, and, and therefore you would have to be of access in and out of that area. And my daughters um, loved to jump into my arms from there, which was fine, but they would do it like any time I walked by the swing set. <laughs> I'd be going out to pick up a branch. Daddy, catch me. Wait, I'm, oh, wait, wait, wait. <sighs> but they had an absolute and unflinching confidence that I was their father and I was safe in their arms. And there were times I had glimpses of that in my childhood of my own father. Now, here's the thing I don't want you to miss. The reality is we don't just have a father. Your heavenly father is a good father. And the fact that he is good changes everything because your father, and if you're a father, imperfection is both in your father and if you're a father, in your fathering. Yet a good, perfect, and loving father is always there And always are you safe in his arms. Does that make sense? So we talk about Father's Day. Starting with the fatherhood of God seems a beautiful place to start. Your heavenly father is a good father. Just some quick descriptions right from the scriptures, right? A lot of Bible today. Uh, God is Abba Father. God is the father of the fatherless. God is a consistent father. God is a good father who loves us. But there's something in particular I want to zoom in on the second part of our message today. And that's number two. Our parents, excuse me, our Heavenly Father is our adoptive Abba. Is our adoptive Abba. 
When I realized as a new believer that I was adopted into this family, right, I still remember it because, again, I had this conflict with my own father. My parents were getting divorced. I had other men in the lives with my mother and eventually a stepfather, and I was adopted, not by my stepfather, but by God the Father, and that reshaped my life. And I want you to hear this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, being adopted by God the Father, brought into his family as a child of God, a child of God changes everything about who you are, how you live, and ultimately where you go. But don't miss this, right? You can't adopt yourself. Even in the beauty of that video, which I liked and thought was great, you got this. At the end of the day, when it's the heavenly Father, he says, I got this one. Because your redemption, your new life in Christ doesn't come because you seek to be a good father. If you're a dad here today that doesn't know Christ, the thing you need most is to trust and follow him. His promise is clear in John 14, 8. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So there's this very clear promise that our father does not leave us alone. You are sons of God. Now, there's actually two places that go into detail about us being sons of God. Other places speak of us, what it means to be a child of God. But there are two places that specifically go into a little more detail. Let's take a look at them together in particular. The first one is in Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul, under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing. And here's what he says, beginning at verse 14. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I've explained this a while ago, but let me explain again, if you're a man or a woman, why this relates to you. Um, it says you're adopted as sons because that's a particular kind of adoption 2,000 years ago when this was written. And when this was written 2,000 years ago, there were uh, different kinds or ways you might be adopted. But an adopted son, matter of fact, let me, let me read to you. This is from F.F. F. Bruce, New Testament scholar. In the Roman world of the first century, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adopted father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. I don't want you to miss this, so I'm going to read it again. In the Roman world of the first century, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He has no wit inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature and might well enjoy the father's affection more fully and reproduce the father's character more worthily. So when the Bible says being adopted as sons, we'll often say sometimes sons refers to sons and daughters. In this case, it's a specific kind of adoption that you want as a daughter or son 2,000 years ago. But this passage is so important in Romans, it is actually virtually repeated in the book of Galatians. And here's what it says in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so we might receive adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons, don't miss the detail, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Very similar to what we saw in Romans. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So when we look as what it means to be adopted as sons, it changes, it changes everything. Would you do me a favor? The phrase, you are adopted as sons. Would you just point to someone nearby and say, you are adopted as a son. Go ahead and do that, men and women alike. Yeah. You are. And so that kind of adoption, that adopted as sons, remember again what F.F. Bruce writes. Here's what he says. Again, it says, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adopted father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. So don't miss this, because the Romans passage says, we are redeemed or brought back. There's a payment that we're paid for. It, we're adopted into God's family, and the Spirit makes that adoption real to us. And that's what happens, right? Think my children get, get my name, right? They're, they're Stetzers, right? For good or for bad, they're Stetzers. I've never met another Stetzer except one time in all the years. And so it's, that's them. But here's the thing. We, we as Christians, we are children of God. We're Christians. We carry on his name. See, through Christ, God adopts us, and he is both our loving father and our fatherly example. But here's where I want to go on Father's Day, right? So we look at he's a good Abba father, right? We looked at that on kind of our second point. Your first point was your heavenly father is a good father. Now he's a good Abba father. Abba meaning, meaning this word of affection, a dearest, loving, and loved father. But the third thing relating to this today is earthly fatherhood is related to God's fatherhood. Remember, through Christ, God adopts us, and he is both our loving father and our fatherly example. Now, why, how do we know this? Well, it's not on the screen, but there's this beautiful passage in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 that says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So this idea of a father comes from our father. Now, I actually became a father on Father's Day. My first daughter was born on Father's Day. She reminds me of this uh, every year. Right. She said, I made you, she tells me. <laughs> and this week she's turning 21. And you know what you get to do when you're 21, don't you? You get to rent a car from Avis. That's exactly right. That's the legal <laughs> limit to rent a car from Avis. Or you can adopt a child in Illinois. There's other things you can do at 21. But I assumed early on that having a child on Father's Day must make me an expert on fatherhood. Right, so here I am, a new dad, and I listen to sometimes my advice that I would give to other people, right? And I, and I love being the dad of three daughters. It's a challenge and a prayer request. And, and you know, I'm basically, I have a 14-year-old, a 17-year-old, and this week a 21-year-old. So I'm basically the lead counselor at Camp Estrogen. And I love it. <laughs> but I got to tell you, um, it's a great joy. Just like I said, I walked in last night and your daddy's home. It's a great joy. But listen, I, um, <laughs> I remember being a new dad, and sometimes I looked at people whose kids were behaving with a side glance. If they were dressed right, I rolled my eyes maybe in my head or at least in my mind. If they were disrespectful, I was aghast. Because, you see, I was an expert at raising kids just because I had one. 
and I was an expert before that because I thought everyone should think the same way. But listen, there are really no parenting experts who haven't made it through the teen years with their own children. So I want to listen to parenting experts on the other side of that experience. And that's, that's, that's a key thing for all of us, right? right? Because for us, parenting, man, I don't know about you, for you, but parenting has been the most rewarding and most joyful and hardest thing I have ever done. Right? So, so I remember just a few years ago, uh, Kristen said to me, uh, she said, uh, what do you want for Father's Day? I said, break up with your boyfriend. <laughs> so that didn't work. All I got was crickets, right? <laughs> she knew I was joking, and it's all good. But, you know, as, don't you miss this. God as father teaches me that to be a godly father means my character needs to be shaped by my relationship with my father. Let me say it again. God as Father teaches me that to be a godly father, my character has to be shaped by my relationship with my father. So God as Father teaches me to be a godly father and shapes my character as a father. Look at the way we see this in the scriptures. Psalm 103 verse 13 says this. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Okay, so God shows compassion. I'm supposed to show compassion. Listen, you want the number one lesson I can give you as a father who's trying hard, who's learning, sometimes doing well, sometimes isn't. Here's the number one lesson I can, can, can give you. Be more like the character of God as a father. Now, that's not always easy, right? Ephesians 6, 4 says this. It says, fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there's some basic principles for you dads and for me, you know, for me and for you if you're a father, is to don't provoke your children to anger, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So dads, let me say to you, as an imperfect father, sometimes I, I'm a struggling father, sometimes I'm a good father, sometimes I... I, I'm an apologetic father. Sometimes I have to be a, a, a line-drawing father this far and no more. But in all of those things, my primary role is to be a disciple. I don't want you to miss this. You want to be a great father, be a committed disciple of Jesus. See, what, what happens is, now again, is it more than that? Of course it's more than that. These kids didn't come with, with owner's manuals. There's, no, there's nothing that automatically was passed down to you. Donna and I had no positive parenting models passed down to us. No parent, positive marriage models passed down to us. We entered into this clueless. What we had was the Word of God, our relationship with Christ, and our care for one another. But dads... The key issue for you and for me is for us to acknowledge that our role is shaped by our understanding of who God is as Father. Now, of course, it's not a comparison that we can live up in every way, right? You're not perfect. You're not all-powerful. You're not completely holy. But something can happen in the midst of that because the most important characteristic you can have as a father is to actually be a disciple. A disciple is one who follows Jesus, who is shaped by the character of the Father, and in the process is changed into the likeness and the image of Jesus. Now, I pray, and I believe my kids know that we love Jesus, and, and, and they know I love them, and, but, but I'm struck by the reference here. A father said this, and fathers for millennia have said it similarly. It's Joshua 24, 15. It says this, 
It says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I want you not to miss this. Any of us can say this. For a season, I was raised by a single mom who who loved the Lord deeply and loves the Lord deeply today. And she would say, but as for me and my house, she had to fill in the role of both mom and dad. And she would say eventually, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And now I am of dad. Part of my job is to speak into my children's hearts, to lead them, to lead my family. And so for me, this is not just a statement of some aspiration. This is life. It is life itself in the abundant life talked about in the scriptures when we acknowledge that God is Father in all perfections. He is a loving Father. He is a good Father. He is an adoptive Father. He has adopted me, men and women, as sons. He is an adoptive Abba Father. We can speak of him in terms of endearment. He is a loving Father. It's rather interesting that... um, As Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them something that I bet almost all of us would know. It says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But the first two words sometimes flow off our lips so quickly. It's not just Father, which art in heaven. It's our Father in heaven. Your name is holy. And when you, as a human human earthly father, lean into, and maybe you're scared to death, maybe you just had a little baby. I like to watch these baby dedications. They come on the stage, sometimes have their children in little baskets that they carry around. And you want to say to them, they're going to get out of those baskets, hold on. (laughs) You want to love them because it's filled with joy and it's the greatest thing ever, but it's the most challenging thing I've ever experienced in my life. But when I understand I can pray, our Father, right, that personal, we as a group, we're not in this alone. I'm not a dad by myself. I'm I'm with other men who are encouraging me, men and women in community that are helping me on this journey. But when I cry, our Father, I can acknowledge that I'm tied in and tapped into the greatest power of all the universe. And as a father sometimes who's scared to death, I have a loving heavenly father that says, trust me. And just like on that day, I can remember in that tree in my backyard in Levittown, New York, I can let go and fall into his arms in the most challenging times as a father. Why? Because the Bible's so clear, right? We're looking at this across the Bible, themes and doctrines here. Your heavenly father is a good father. Upon that, everything else builds. Then your heavenly father, right? Your heavenly father being a good father, well, it's more than just that. He's now an adoptive Abba father. He's adopted you, and now you can say Abba of his name. And that all comes around to this reality, earthly fatherhood, is related in God's fatherhood primarily as the most important thing I can do as a father is to be a disciple of Jesus. Everyone can know God as father, and as fathers, we can know him as our model in fathering. See, because through Christ, God adopts us, and he is both our loving father and our fatherly example. He's a good, good father. You know the song. 
I told you before, because some of you smile, that I, I do make my kids on Father's Day sing to me, you're a good, good father. And I say, that's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. <laughs> but you know, I love that song. I first heard it years ago, and it just struck me, perhaps being on a journey of loving and building a relationship with my father that was different than when I was a childhood. But don't miss the double good. He's a good, good father. You may have had a good father. Praise God for that. I have a good father now, right? You may have had a good father growing up, and I hope you did, and we want to see more, not less of that. But there's a double good. He's a good, good father in all ways. And you can count on that and then you can see him as Abba Father, right? You can throw yourselves into his arms. He's that good. He's that faithful. He's that trustworthy. He's that powerful. He's that certain. He's that assured. He's that comforting. He's a good, good father. So that's the message today for fathers. Well, it's that, but it's not just that. It's a message about our father. He's a good, good father. And by following and knowing him, father, mother, person, we are changed. So the best kind of father is the kind of father who's a disciple of our heavenly father. Now, I don't want you to miss this, right? Because we're really going to sing in just a moment. He's a good, good father. And I want you to not just go, the message is over, now we're singing the final song. I want you to step into this moment of worship with me because knowing who God is as a father changes everything. In fact, right now, I just want you to stand with me all around this auditorium. Don't, no one else move around. Please don't leave. Just stand with me right now because he indeed is a good, good father. And right now, some of you are in the middle of fatherhood and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. And I just want you to say, fall with confidence into the arms of a loving father. But it's not just fathers who need that because he's a good, good father. On this Father's Day, I want to say to you, if you're in the midst of a personal crisis, a, a family situation, a job disappointment, whatever it is, he's a good, good father and you can fall into him and his loving arms. So I wonder if you could pray with me even right now and acknowledge him as father. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, can I just tell you this is today business that you need to attend to, to receive by grace and through faith the good news of the gospel. Our prayer partners are going to be moving in place right now. They'll be here up front. They'll be over here. They're going to move in place right now. They're up there. You can pray with them today if you don't know the good, good father. But if you know the good, good father, this is a great day to acknowledge the beauty of who he is. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you today. Good, heavenly, Abba, Father. We come before you today and praise because we know that maybe we had good fathers or bad fathers. We have a perfect good, good father in you. And we've heard all kinds of stories about what you're like all kinds of descriptions and, and explanations, but at the end of the day, today we sing that you are a good, good 
Father, that is indeed who you are, and I'm adopted as a son, and now I'm loved by you, and we give you the worship and the glory that you deserve as the good, good, heavenly Abba Father. Would you make that your prayer today? But take your, your prayer that you're praying with me, and let's sing it to the Lord. Let's make it a song of prayer and a song of praise. Maybe with me, you'll, you'll, you'll be, just sing it out. Maybe you'll, you'll just say, Lord, you're a good, good father. And in doing so, you'll find rest. You'll, you'll jump off that branch of your fear and your concern and your struggle into the loving arms of a perfect father. Because he indeed is a good, good father.